Today marks a very special chapter in the Chronicles because in the studio we have the artist, teacher, carpenter, designer and producer Jenna Benia. I first met Jenna many years ago in a school not so far away. We studied the BPA course at WAPA and we are luckily both members of class 2016. On many occasions Jenna has proven to be a good friend, a generous performer and I think most importantly an advocate for Perth's film scene. Jenna, welcome. Thanks, Ryan. Why did you put your career as a cabinet maker on hold to pursue the arts? Oh, well, I think it was probably more me putting my career in the arts on hold to pursue cabinet making. Yeah. To be honest, right? Because, see, one of the things, when I first met Jenna, the one thing I couldn't put, because I am programmed like that, whereas like many white men of my age and of my time, to see uh, a woman working in building construction um, and trade, it's, it's a quite uncommon thing. I work in construction too, for example, and I do, there are women tradesmen entering the field, mm. such as, you know, plumbers, mostly plumbers, um, electricians, carpet layers, but not many carpenters. Yeah, um, to be honest, I had a bit of a craving for, um, <laughs> the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a bit of a craving for something, a hobby, initially, that could combine a bit of creativity and problem-solving skills in one, and... It, an opportunity presented itself and I kind of went for it because I thought, hey, I need a job and uh, I also need to fulfil that sort of urge. So, yeah, I just took it up and seven years later decided, all right, time for something new. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I'm just quietly obsessed. Now, also, I was, uh, before we we'd put the microphone on, I was talking about stalking. Now, I found out that you teach at Film Bites. Yeah, I do. Is that correct? Yes. And the only reason why I know that because me and Jenna, she's one of the very few um, connections that I have on LinkedIn. Who, what, when, why and how? Why uh, Film Bites teaching? Um, I became pretty good friends with the head of film at ECU, actually. Uh, and it was by recommendation um, from him that I just drop them a line and see if there's anything going because I love... Obviously, I love the acting, but more so directed towards film, not so much stage. Mm. And he said it would be right up my alley. And the fact that I really loved what I was doing would be quite inspirational to young people. So I went there and they said, you're just the ticket. Let's have you on board. And yeah, it just sort of, it worked. Do you get a... What's the pleasure that you get from teaching? Like, I don't know, do, do you see yourself continuing to teach? Uh, I think, yeah, I think we kind of need to be open-minded and do and be available to teach anybody, not just the children, but we always have a set of skills that someone else doesn't. So mm. it's our, it's kind of our duty to, to share that if other people need it or want it. So, yeah, I'll, I will teach all along the way. I didn't think I was made cut out for it. I thought, oh, gosh, I can't do this. I went for my first class and I was so sure they were going to eat me alive and... I got through it. I still have all my hair. I've got a couple of grey ones though, I tell you that. They're hyperactive. I'm sure their parents feed them sugar before they send them into the classroom. But you know what? I get the truest version of them and it helps me to be the truest version of me. And I don't know, they inspire me more than I inspire them, I'm sure. So yeah, it's incredible. 
So I'm just, Jenna has a wonderful dog. She's very beautiful. <laughs> Shelby. Shelby. Oh, that's her name. Yes. Oh, I was thinking, what's her, sorry. Hi, Shelby. Nice <laughs> to properly meet you. So teaching from memory, you've, you've acted and performed on the stage, obviously screen and stage for, for many years. Yeah. Do you, when you see those kids, I know this is very, because I know you've just recently started teaching at Film Bites. Yep. Do you see yourself in the faces of those kids when they're young? I don't know, like aspiring actors, I you know? definitely, I definitely see little versions of stages of my life in them, yeah. So, just their eagerness and how happy they are when they're doing it. You can tell that's what they're meant to be doing. Some some of the children, I think, are there because their parents want them to be active okay. with other children. But then some of the children are very... I don't want to call them children, sorry. Some of the little people. Some of the young people yeah. in the classroom just have such a clear vision of their direction in life already. And being able to be a part of that growth and, I don't know, that journey with them is so awesome. Do some of your students... Do they really want to pursue acting in a professional manner? Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably a good 70% of them want a career as an actor slash lawyer, which is interesting because I always want to be an actor or, an, or a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why they go hand in hand, but a lot of them want those things because when they come into the classroom and I meet them for the first time, I ask them what they want, um, where they want to go. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I point out to them that it's not the be-all and end-all and whatever direction they choose now doesn't have to be what they end up doing but it's nice to have a focus and something that drives you and motivation and a lot of them come back with that they want a career in film as an actor <laughs> you know it's it's really cool to see they do they want it from a very young age before we even re we look at them as children people that they you know they don't know anything they just love their pokemon cards and their um <laughs> their t tv and their laptops and electronic devices but they they've got real wants and real needs and when you get in an environment like that in quite an intimate setting when you've got a small class you really get to see those personalities shine and and you see what they cultivate for themselves in that environment it's really cool so do you have i'm not sure how it's structured so do you have like a full time year or a class or yeah, well, we we operate in terms. Um, oh, okay. Like similar to the school term, so there's four different terms, and within the year, obviously two semesters, and we do different projects. So we'll film some small stuff, or we'll film uh, an actual short film that gets shown at a premiere the following year at the actual cinema. So the kids oh, wow. get to see their own work up on the big screen, and then they get awards, and it's um, judged by uh, high profiles in the film industry. Ben Young was uh, one of the oh, yeah. people approached to actually judge one of the contests, but he was overseas doing the new film that he's directing, so yeah. he wasn't able to do that this year, but I think he's done it in the past for them, Yeah. prior to me joining the team, so yeah. That's incredible. So, uh, so you do get like, it's not like every day is like a different bunch of kids, you, you, you do have the regular sort of, you, you do get to see the same people. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's it, sorry, yeah, sorry, I didn't answer your question no, properly, no, 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 I do no. have, I've got... Currently, um, five classes, so they range in age. I'll have the young ones, which are around eight, and then I'll have other students, which are 16. Is really, it's quite diverse, so you might have more maturity amongst a class of 10-year-olds than you do amongst 14-year-olds sometimes. You know, that, it depends how much they want it, and yeah. sometimes you get a group that has people who don't want to be there, some people want to be there a lot, some people don't know what's going on, and trying to cater to all those needs, it's, that's, tri that's the tricky part. 
but so getting to know them is essential getting to know what they want and what they need as humans is critical and from there then I know how to help them and how to how to teach them the fundamentals you know is there one thing that you remember that you keep saying to the kids like a lesson or like I don't know just one tip oh I don't know is it is there like um I, I wanted to ask you oh what you know what's the um Oh, most wisest words that you give to the kids. But is there like a recurring theme in your classes? It actually comes down to not so much what is an acting skill, but more of a general life statement. And that that is be generous. Like I say to them, it's actually not about you. And I learned this from Francis Barb. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about the work. And so they get up there and they're so shy and I have to remind them, why, why are you shy? It's not about you, remember. Yeah. It's it's about the story that you're trying to tell. And if you get up there and you focus on being generous to the other actor, for the other actor, you then can stop focusing on what you look like or how you sound or, you know, you have to be aware of those things and you have to be able to control those things while you're doing everything else. But at the same time, if they just devote themselves to telling the story as best they can, then I think it takes the focus off how they look or, you know what their peers think of them. That's kind of my best advice. Be generous. Be offering. Be open. Find the truth. Find your truth. Find the truth of the character. Well, my next question was, in your opinion, what is the quality that an actor needs or should search for? Oh, in themselves? Yeah, I don't know, but I think generosity. I think you've hit a nail. Like, in these previous episodes, we've, we, um, I think two weeks ago... Technically now, I interviewed this director, Bridget LeMay. Yes. And we were talking about focus, the importance mm-hmm. of... She, I asked her and she said, focus. And then yesterday, I interviewed another director, an actor and writer, uh, James Taylor. And we were talking about truth. I think yeah. I was brought up, like, um, finding the truth. But I think your generosity and storytelling. Yeah, I mean, it, but the generosity tells the, the story well. If you're sharing and you're giving as much as you can... Of yourself, you know, you've got to save a little bit for yourself, but to give all of it to the story and save nothing for, you know, your humility and things like that. I don't know. It took me a long time to get that in my head, and I think it just clicked at the very end of the course that we just completed. But I'm glad I learned that lesson. It doesn't matter how late or how long it took. It's That was the, the greatest lesson ever, you know. Just be generous. Don't be controlled by fear. Who, who, inspired, who inspired you to go into the arts in the first place? Is there someone that, or a thing that inspires you? Is it like, why, why do you practice it, Jenna? Why, oh. do you wanna, why do you practice being an artist? Can why? I swear? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I fuck, just... fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> fuck, fuck, can't you? I just think um, I'm a shit person when it's not in my life. And I'm still probably a good person, but in my eyes, I'm, I'm a shit version of me if I'm, if I'm not doing it. And very young, I figured that out when I have it in my life, when I have that outlet for creativity and the storytelling and the entertainment. I like the idea that I could be there to, to make someone smile or inspire somebody to follow their dreams. Or It started when I was really young. I was two and I had a hernia because I never used to use my hands to sit up, so I was always doing a sit-up. And one day one of the muscles just popped out of my stomach. I've still got the scar. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And... I'd just come out of the hospital for that and I was showing everybody my scar and I had to I had to show everybody. Look at this, look at this. I was two, I was already talking. Showed everyone my scar, followed by a little song and dance afterwards to entertain them. 
So, um, I, I've heard this from other people, of course. I don't actually remember that part. I remember the, the, the hernia, but I don't remember the, the... Yeah, um, so it started very young. Two, maybe I was winking at people in the supermarket when I was one. So I've always wanted to engage with people. I've always had a desire to engage, whether that be through performance or conversation or art. Like you came in and you mentioned the canvas. Yeah. And that, that is about reaching out on another level again that communication, you know, verbal or physical doesn't achieve. I'm curious to say, do you paint like portraiture or landscape? Um, not portraits. I, I like to take something small and insignificant and bring it to the limelight and make it big. So my last one that I did, I was telling you about yeah. that I gave away, was a white feather with okay. like a black um, puddle behind it sort of um, like a rain puddle behind it and the white feather was actually significant to a friend of mine and it was attached to her connection with her brother who's died. I painted that with that um, with that inspiration I guess. It was a gift for someone else kind of to say I understand I, I don't understand but I I hear you yeah. and I feel for you and this is as close as I can get to showing you that I I care about what you care about. Isn't it one of the saddest things where you try to you try to comfort someone? They've gone through a tragedy that you yourself has not mm. experienced. Isn't that one of the hardest things? Of yeah, life? it is. Like either a loved one or a friend, someone's died. They're going through an illness, for example. Far out. Yeah, and even if you have experienced death in your immediate circle, um, similar to someone else, your relationship wasn't the same as the relationship they've had. Your memories aren't the same as the memories they've had. Mm. So even if you have been through the same experience, you, you never understand because you don't walk in someone else's shoes. You don't feel like you don't react and respond to situations the same way as people do. And that happens through conditioning. Um, you don't have the same history as any other one person. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is. That is... We could talk for five, <laughs> five million years about that. It's one of the tragedies... And I have to say, as I turned to my left, I was saying before I, I came in, Jenna's got this wonderful collection of, I have to say, antique um, handheld cameras. You've got uh, one from Kodiak. Why do you collect them? I know I asked you, but for the purposes of why, I, I find it fascinating that you collect them. Yeah, um, I think it's so beautiful that in my treasured collection, I hold devices that have captured so many people's favourite memories. Yeah. Um, you know, they've discarded it or they no longer need that device, but it was that device that helped them to capture something forever. So I guess make something, if you're careful enough to hang on to those images for your entire life and maybe for the entire life of the person who inherits them, that is a certain um, immortality of that memory. Mm. Like it lives forever in that moment. And those, these devices capture them. And it's so funny because um, one that's not up there, uh, it's a, a Super 8. Um, not a Super 8, that's a different one. I've got a handheld reel-to-reel -reel, oh, wow. um, manual um, video camera, vintage video yeah. camera. And it was so weird. I was, I was in another room and here it was in my office and I heard this... And I hadn't... It, it just <gasps> out of nowhere started rolling. I, didn't, I don't understand. I just still haven't... Figured out what that means, if it means anything. But it just started itself out of nowhere after I'd, ha it, I'd had it in my possession for at least a month. And out of nowhere... That is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 
so hang on, it's not battery operated because it's a turn. Is it like a mechanism? Yeah, you it's not. Spin? You yeah. have to turn it. Turn it. You have to turn it for it to work. So it's bizarre. And this clock here, you see? Yeah. It's never worked. But on the 11th of March, which was my birthday, uh, it started to, to work. And it worked for probably... Oh, it probably it worked for probably about seven hours, and then it then it stopped again, and it hasn't worked again. <laughs> so I don't understand. I don't know if it's this space. I don't understand. Okay. I don't, maybe it's the energy that's charged in this space. Maybe it's me or someone that's following me. I know I sound a bit kooky now, a bit of like a fruit cup, but everything has meaning to me somehow. And I'm still trying to figure out why the the clock and the the video camera started working after. <laughs> okay, this is. Sorry, a bit of a tangent. No. A bit of a tangent. No, 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 no. Yeah. Fuck, that's scary. <laughs> scary or beautiful? See, oh, I'm not sure if I should say. See, talking about odd things, I remember when I was young, um, me and my sister, I think I must have been about eight and four. Uh, when I'm eight and four. <laughs> I was eight and my sister was four. And uh, we remember we're at, in the old house and we were going to bed and mum and dad tucked us in and we heard this crying. Oh my god! <laughs> we heard this crying, right? Like, and we're like, "What the fuck's that?" Well, we didn't say it. We just said, "What's that?" Um, <laughs> we heard this crying, right? Yeah. And it was coming from my sister's bedroom, wow. and my sister was panicking. I was, I was panicking. And was she in the bedroom at the time? Yeah, she was in the bedroom oh. at the time. And we walked in, and Mum and Dad, we walked in, and we would, and we the wah, wah, wah. We hear this crying. Where the fuck is crying? And so we open Lara's um, walk-in wardrobe. Oh, not walk-in wardrobe. We open it, and we and it's coming from this box. So we open this box, and out comes this baby doll. Oh my god! And it's somehow malfunctioned, and it's going. Wow! Fucking scary. And we thought there was no batteries in it. Blah blah. blah. It is just crying. Wow! And for, for a couple of years, I was. Because you know Chucky, I've never seen any of those films because <laughs> oh, because of that. Lucky incident. you, yeah. And I'm scared, sort of, to this day, and that's why I sort of mentioned the doll. <laughs> but yeah, I know I you picked this... it up with a little bit of horror on your face. It's yeah. just a bit. Of... <laughs> well, that's Becky. She won't hurt you. That's good. What was it like working with the Piffy and the Rock Theatre Company? Oh, great! We all had such different personalities. So um, that was an amazing strength in the group, but it was also a huge weakness as well. So yeah. as you can imagine, trying to coordinate six people who are very different and have very different artistic abilities and creative styles, it was, it was really interesting. I loved, I loved the pressure of it. Mm. Um, I think we all had our turns to like have a mini breakdown, mental mm. breakdown, <laughs> But it's the process of having a time frame, um, a, a ticking clock. You know, you have to achieve something within a space of time. And any artist knows that the hardest way to create art when someone is telling you to do it. Mm. So while we started early and we try to have a really relaxed approach to it, um, we are all still the best of friends. So it hasn't ruined our, our uh, bond at all. So, yeah, and, you know, we've all gone off to our different spaces among, on the planet, mm. um, but we will always have that, that process, that journey that we, we went on together. I, I love the fact that everybody was so different, you know. Um, there was always somebody that would value, either value your opinion or your input 
and almost guaranteed that someone would hate what you just said. So it was cool. You'd always have someone supporting your argument and someone going against it. So it was just this full-time, it was a friendly debate sort of thing. You know, we always had to justify our ideas. So if, yeah. if we justified something um, and we were convincing enough, we won, we won the, that choice. And that was a cool part of it too, you know, going, okay, I, I believe in this so strongly because of A, B, and C. Mm. And having to do that gives you a whole... Like you become more confident about what you have to say and sharing your ideas uh, and you learn how to do it in a real, uh, what's the word, pragmatic way. Mm. I think pragmatic's the right way to describe it. I don't know. It's just you learn how to get your point across without stepping on people's toes and it's, that's cool. We walked away with, like when I, I remember we all just had this <gasps> moment, like it's done. But then also... Then the following week, when there was no rehearsals, it's like, I want to go back and do it all again. Yeah. You, you wish that it's over, but then you wish for it back again. So that's the weirdest thing about art. Yeah. I'd like to add that um, the reason why I brought up the Piffy and the Rock Theatre Company, which I believe is still alive, you can like and check out their Facebook page, basically uh, spawned from um, Jenna and I's course, the BPA course, um, the members comprise of Jenna Benia, Frida Lee, uh, Gala Chefsoff, Amy Murray, Riley O'Burns, and Laura Cameron, and Amy Murray. Yeah. Yes, that's everyone. <laughs> I'm trying. And, and Amy's uh, in there twice. Lucky. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Amy, Amy, Amy. <laughs> um, and I just want to say their names because we all, and how they all met, because we all studied together at the BPA course at WAPA. And the reason why I bring them up, because they've created, in my opinion, a really wonderful work called... Because you took it, the work had, so basically the reason why they formed together, it was part of our, our final assessment of the course, where we had to create a final independent project at the Blurham Theatre. And they did. And then they went on to Fringe and to sort of officially create the Piffy and the Theatre Company. Yeah, Piffy on the Rock Theatre Company. The reason why I bring them up, especially with Jenna, because it, is, it was such a unique and distinctive group in terms of acting like gala chef, like when you said, oh, they're, they're all over the world, literally, like gala chefs, off, she's in, isn't she in Iceland? Or yeah, last, uh, last I last checked her on Facebook, yes. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Facebook. Uh, um, Laura, she's, she's in Sydney, and Riley. Riley! Riley's New South Wales, back in the Blue Mountains, I think. Yeah, but, but she's got a film premiere, she's in the Chinese theatre in, in Hollywood. She's in Hollywood. Beautiful, this is for One Less God? Yeah, yeah. One Less God, her film. But she's, she was filming at the start of um, the course. Yes. She, she was late, she, was, she arrived three weeks late or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, I really, really want to watch that film. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, looks yeah. like it deals with issues that are quite relevant too, even though it was made... However many years ago? I think it was made, I think, technically four years. Four years ago, yeah. But it's really true. Um, One Less God is a film about, from memory, about the uh, attacks in 2008 that happened in a Mumbai hotel in India. Mm. And it's it's a recreation of that. But really, it talks about, you know, extreme, um, religious extremism, um, faith, different nationalities coping together. Um, really interesting film. And Riley plays, I remember... See, I would love to see. I actually messaged Riley and hopefully I'll, I was going to travel to Sydney. Mm. I was going to make a special edition and I was going to interview her, Laura, because Laura now she studies at NIDA. Yes, yeah. Doing the acting course. And some other people who studied at WAPA. They're over there too. And they're over Good there. To, yeah. yeah. Good idea. But she, uh, she's funny because I remember she was saying, did you say about, because she plays a young Turkish woman. Yes, 
Yeah. And I'm not sure about I should bring this up with you, but mm. I'm going to anyway. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm. Ryan is, as everyone knows, Ryan is a, a self-deprecator and an idiot and what have you. But. <laughs> but but it's steep. <laughs> um, but but Riley, um, she's playing this young Turkish woman now. Riley, she comes from her. F- the mm, phrase is very carefully, Ryan. So Riley played this young Turkish woman. Now she's Australian, obviously. Yeah. But when when you look at her family, they're all European, Irish and what have you. But when you look at Riley, she's quite olive-skinned and dark hair, and she looks Spanish. Yeah, she does, with the curly hair. With the curly hair. Yeah. And I can say that because I'm part Spanish, but I'm, an, I'm the albino of my family. Aye. Yes, I'm white and balding, and I don't know. <laughs> well, but it's interesting how I remember she ke- and quite rightly showed that she, she, was t- she's always, she said she was typecast as... You know, the Muslim The Muslim roles, yeah, she does tend to be cast in those. We did another project with um, Sose. Yes. um, She was doing her her PhD in performance, performance making PhD, I think, and it was directing. And um, she was actually under the supervision of Fran as well, which is cool. Mm. And Riley had a Muslim role in that too. Yeah. I'm just funny because now when you meet Jenna... And I've been in the room with you, for, and I brought. I told you, Jenna looks like a kiwi. Yeah, I do. I do. But you're not. Look. I know I'm not. No. But, but you did. You did grow up in New Zealand. Yeah, I spent ten years there. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it's it's tricky. I've got one of those racially um, ambiguous faces where you can't quite. You can say, oh, she could be from there, but oh no, ten dollars says she's actually from here instead, and it's I. It could either be a bad thing in some people's eyes that you I can't be pinpointed, but it's for me in the in the line of work that I'm you know pursuing. It's great because I can sort of fit into a few different boxes, mm. which is awesome. And I'd love to bring up Riley because the last time I spoke to her, because we were talking about this, mm. we we're just meeting up for a coffee, and I'd love to get her opinion. She wrote and she was writing an actual essay, and it's getting published. Well, no, a, a small article, and it was getting published in this magazine, and uh, that's one of the topics I find it's really interesting about, and sad, and scary, you know, casting someone, the racial, you know, profile, and what have you. Yeah, yeah it, it could have its downfalls, you know, if you, if you do get typecast in a role like that, maybe you might get pigeonholed and stuck in that sort of role, but if you show that you're diverse, and it's great if you can play an, an ethnic role. And then turn around and be able to play something typically, uh, I don't know, black and white Australian, yeah. like true blue Australian. I don't know if I can use colours there, black and white, that's not really correct. I mean like just clear, it's yeah. black and white rather than grey. So it's cool, I think it's a cool thing. I think it is, I think, but now I'm noticing, see a reason, what's really good actually in terms of casting, the BBC last year, they've, they've done a series of um, William Shakespeare's trilogies. The series is called The Hollow Crown. And I know in their second season, they're doing the four plays of, I think, Richard III, Henry VI, Part One, Part Two, and Part Three. that trilogy. As you know, William Shakespeare's historical, he set those plays in history. And they did, they film it, and I think it takes place in the 1400s in England. 
but they cast British actors who are African, Indian descent as well in it. And they were playing European kings and queens as well. Oh, cool, yes. In that timeline, in his yeah. Renaissance, I think that's quite cool. It's cool because it makes it, it's more relevant to us now. Like you look yeah. at Romeo and Juliet, and Mercutio is he's an African American man. Yes, yes. And that is great because who says that they, you know, who says that the, the black and white divide has always been that way? Maybe it only started at a certain period, but maybe before that everybody was happy and equal and. We don't know really because they don't they haven't printed that or they haven't recorded that and maybe that's for a reason maybe they're trying to have us maybe they're trying to make us happy with this big great divide this separation I because think, it's a control thing right yeah absolutely i think i think history has been definitely been whitewashed and we're quite happy to believe everything we see in here and and get taught in our schools which well don't get me started on that but still <laughs> um you know we just take it mm. like these little facts on the on the juice bottles, you know, mm. the little facts that, did you know oh, about, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, well, I open those and I believe they're real, but, geez, maybe they're not. Maybe it's just, they're having a lend. Maybe they're laughing at us that we just so easily believe something because it's printed on something that we buy or that because be, it's published or... Jenna, that could be fake news. Mm. Fake news. Yeah. I feel like all the news is fake, Ryan. Oh, oh, and there's no. another there's another tangent there. We can talk for another five million years on that too. But yeah, conspiracy theory, bring it on. At this very moment, is there a particular performance medium you want to focus in? So obviously film. Yeah, definitely film. And do you want to continue pursuing that? Yeah, I will. I'll do it until it kills me. I think it was Charles Bukowski that says, find something you love and let it kill you. Fine, wow. So that's been my favourite quote ever. And I think I owe that to uh, Damon. Our playwriting. Um, yes, Damon Lockwood. <laughs> Damon, yeah. Um, thank you, Damon. He, yeah, he had a great one-liner there that's really stuck with me. And yeah. I will. I'll stick with it because it's what I love. And I go through phases, Ryan, where I think it's not as important to chase it as hard. And I get a bit defeated sometimes if I go to an audition and I get really close to the end and then I haven't and I don't hear back. And it's just, you spend a lot of time in limbo. Is it what I want? Is it is it what I really want? Is yeah. it what I really, really want? Because you're putting all this energy into something and you want it to pay off and sometimes it doesn't pay off. But really, it does pay off, but it's disguised. The payoff is is disguised. And it's disguised as a beautiful little lesson um, or a beautiful little gift, a little beautiful little inspiration that you don't even realize you're getting until later and you go, oh, that wasn't for waste. Like everything has its payoff. You know, there is no wasted time. There is no... Okay, yes, if you were sitting on the couch smoking bongs, that's wasting your time because mm. you, you're not meeting your potential. Yeah, you're opening your mind a little bit, but it gets to a point where you're closing it again. You know what I mean? You're stopping yourself. You're putting roadblocks up for yourself to reach your potential. But I'd, I want to follow the film. I want to always follow the film, whether I'm teaching it or whether I'm... And I'm by no means qualified to say that I'm a great acting teacher I know that Angela Punch McGregor has a lot of notes and things that I needed to work on that I didn't get right but I think they were more things I didn't get right as someone at the stage of my journey that I'm at whereas I'm dealing with young children who are dealing with more basic things mm -hmm. and yeah I think I'm, I'm qualified to teach them those things and somehow I do find ways to weave in a little bit of what they will learn later mm. so it's not such a surprise later on and they can sort of I don't know, have little hints of what's to come, prepared for that sort of thing. But yeah, I will. I'll do it forever, to, until it kills me.
<laughs> do you think teaching has improved your practice like as an actor yeah yeah a hundred percent i wish i started it earlier because it's such a an obvious reminder of what i forget to do myself and yeah. until it comes out of your mouth this is what you need this is what you need to focus on oh my gosh do i even do that myself have i forgotten to do that when you teach somebody to drive you teach them the right way. You don't teach them how you drive necessarily. <laughs> 10 and 2, 10 and 2. Do you hold your steering wheel at 10 and 2? No. No. But when you teach someone to drive, yeah. that's where you teach them to put their hands. So the thing is, because I'm going back and I'm teaching them the way, the most practical way to make progress, while they can still be creative, it reminds me that I'm letting a few things slip uh, that I could really focus on mm. a bit more. That's yeah. I totally agree. Is Perth special? Yeah, why do you think I'm still here? (laughs) I could have have gone somewhere else a long time ago and I tried to move to Sydney once upon a time and I just went, that's not where my heart is and I've got to be where my heart is because I'm only going to make the best work in that place. And it's not that it's comfortable, it's that I feel like truly inspired by this place. There's a little Mm. spot, my favourite spot in Perth Mm. and it's actually as you drive over a set of lights at um, Karanup Road towards Scarborough. Oh, yes. So you go through the lights. It's where West Co- Marmion turns into West Coast Highway. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going up the hill and you come around the bend and it's that first little glimpse of the ocean that you see. Yes. And every time I go over there, and it's quite a few times a week, and even if I don't need to go past there, I do sometimes. <laughs> I take the long way around just mm-hmm. so that I can get there. Even though I need to go to the city, I'll go right down the coast and then cut in again. So I add sometimes 20 minutes onto my journey just so I can catch a glimpse of this favourite spot. And it just reminds me how incredibly lucky I am to be in a place with such a picturesque view, mm. such an inspiring view. Like it's, it's a little welcoming hug as you drive past. It's beautiful. The sun reflects on the ocean or the moon reflects on the ocean depending on what time of day you go there. And it just, you cannot help the smile that it brings mm. to your face. It's just I, so much gratitude washes over me when I go over that, that route, past that point. I have to say, yeah, um, today, um, as an off note, I went with a, a walk with my family to John Forest National Park. Beautiful. And you walk, and it's a beautiful place. And, it's, and you say, and you're deep in the hills and the bush, and you've got trees, and you've got this dryish river, and all these wild flowers, and the birds, and it is a remarkable place. And, I remember walking over to the Hervea Dam and we're on this big, massive path. And, you know, you've got rocks. And I was like, fuck, you could definitely shoot like a big... You see see the opportunities for creativity. Yeah, yeah. It's so important to see that, to be able to look at something and be able to, like, have a vision. Mm. Some people aren't capable of a vision, Ryan. And that's the scary part. You know, a lot of people live very insular lives and don't look for what could be they're looking for you know they're trying to label what is rather than what it could be what it could be and i might not even paint on that canvas i might just put it up blank so just people... blank yeah i've been thinking about it not that i'm lazy i'll no, buy no, no, no. i'll buy another one that's that's ready to paint on but i think it's so nice to be able to provide a blank canvas and for people to imagine what could be there yeah so you know what do you see what could that what could be on there what would you paint on there you know, yeah. imagine if somebody set up an art exhibition and had no art there. 
just a different like different sizes of canvases and different I think that's been done, I feel. Oh, has it? And I don't know, I feel no, like trust me done. to think of things like five minutes too late. I have so many different inventions. And I've got the I've got a book full of them. And I tell sometimes I tell Jordan, he's like, Babe, I think that exists and I say, No, it doesn't. And um, he says, Yes it does. I had this idea for a, a vacuum that would suck at like a heat it's like a steamer thing and you put it over like a pimple or a blackhead and it would suck it out. That's a great yeah, but apparently it exists already. So I just, I'm obviously not in touch with the world enough. I'm living in an alternate reality, but you know, whatever makes you happy, it's good. There's something in there. I remember my mate um, Harry. What is he saying? He's bloody talking about something. Oh, try to forget. Now there is actually, it's quite valid to have those thoughts and ideas. If you, who was I talking to? Because I have this thought with Will Anderson. You know the comedian Will Anderson? I think so. This Aussie comedian and, and um, wonderful stand-up. And he's got a podcast, Will Office, Will, Willosophy and what have you. Oh, that's so clever. Sorry. <laughs> the small things really get me going. Carry on. Yeah. Um, but I remember he was on the project, you know, Channel 10's thingy-me-do. And he stole a couple of days ago. I had this funny bit for Trump. Oh, that's right. Instead, because, you know... Oh, that's now I remember. Sorry, Slow, it's all coming back to me. I had this. I'll tell you my my invention. I had four days before Will Anderson went on the project. Oh, he probably invented way before me. But but anyway, I said to deal with Trump, I think we should say his less name more, and we should you know ignore him. Yeah, yeah and right. we should give him another another name. And I and I called him. Uh, what was it? Um, something like Connell Kumpf. Connell Kumpf, or something like that, or. Um, Trump, Trump, Kumpf, Kumpf. I think Kumpf was the last name. You know, just, you know, there's his surname. Yeah. And it's sort of that villainous, you know, character. He just but re- anyway. rebranded him. <laughs> yeah, rebranded him. And then Will Anderson says, oh, yeah, guys, yeah, I've been to America. And yeah, uh, yeah and I think we shouldn't say his name. So uh, I call it the Voldemort rule. He that shall not be named. Yeah. Uh, and basically he calls Trump Voldemort. Yeah. And, and that's his little, you know, shtick. Yeah. I like that. So you know, you're in the same boat as someone else. We're all yeah. in the same boat. We're sick of hearing about something that's probably not going to change. Yeah. Well, maybe it is change. Maybe it's good change. I haven't decided yet. Good I don't change. know if I even need to decide. It's not, up, it's not up to me. I don't know. There are things that are changing. You know, we're seeing a few terror attacks, but they were happening yes. before him. I'm not qualified to, <laughs> to make comment, really. I don't even watch television or the news. I don't. I make a point of it because, like I said, we're so happy to believe what if it's just it's it's somebody's opinion anyway it's somebody it's coming from one direction um sometimes it's a combination of people's opinions but far out man oh i just feel like they'll they'll show us what they want to show us anyway and we'll have to make do with that even if it's not the real thing so we might be forming opinions on something and creating an uprise on against something that doesn't even exist or isn't even a problem mm. You know, I'm not discrediting anything that's happened and, no. and you know, making light of something tragic, tra- something tragic. tragic yeah. Oh my gosh, Sunday, the brain goes usually on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not trying to say no, that no, that doesn't mean anything. No, 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 no people's, yeah. val- people's lives are valuable. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Those purposes have been extinguished now mm. because of some loser or bunch of losers, you know. I've got this question. No, it's just the reason why I'm going to ask this question, not in the case of um, its politics, mm. but the in the case of because I remember talking to you and you know like um, 
our colleagues. Yeah. Because you, you want to travel to America. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And pursue Hollywood. Yeah, oh, well, it's, it's not so much Hollywood that I want to tackle. It's just I want to be where they're making more work. Does America intimidate you? Uh, no. No, it doesn't intimidate me. I've been there before and oh. for a number of months. Um, but I was traveling and checking out the place and driving down the coast of California and just kind of experiencing a bit of their way of life. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I do love it. Um, I've since redirected because I, I initially wanted to go to Canada. Um, and then I switched to, uh, we had a lady, Lee, who came, she was uh, an acting coach. Remember her from uh, LA? Oh, yes. Yeah. Lee, yes. I forget no, her no. surname. It's, it's, it's escapes me at this point yes. in time. But she uh, said to me, no, don't go to Canada. Go to LA, straight to LA. That's where all the work is. But I think that's where all the commercial work is. I, yeah. wanted, I want to be involved in more, the stuff that's about the art more than the, the business. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, the money comes with the business. And I don't care if I never make a lot of money out of it. It's just I need to tick a few boxes and get a bit of experience. And I'm thinking my original thought of going to Canada is probably spot on. I can always go yeah. on holiday and try out stuff and go back and forth. Yeah. That's not an issue. But yeah, no, America doesn't scare me. It doesn't intimidate me at all. I think my biggest thing, this is going to sound weird, the biggest thing that intimidates me is me. So, and sharks. And sharks. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah, a place doesn't have the ability to do that to me. Uh, a state of being has the ability to intimidate me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of, I think so many people are, are intimidated by themselves. And that's why we settle for these mediocre lives where we don't actually achieve our potential and we're happy to settle down and get married and have a kid and, and then that's it. And just work and then pay off the mortgage and that's it. Yeah. And then what? What have you done? The same thing that everyone else has done. And it's okay if people want to do that because some people are designed just to do that. But I really feel that we're put on this planet with a purpose that is unique to ourselves, um, whether that be you're a Mother Teresa or you're a Hitler. Mm. Everybody had a purpose. And I'm not siding with the Holocaust. No. <laughs> um, this is not me doing anything. Oh, no, 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 no. But you know what I mean? Everybody has been put here to do something. Yeah. And while genocide is not a good purpose, we have some things have come from that. Yes. You know, some positive things have come from oh, yeah, that. Absolutely. If we erase that, where would the world be now? I don't know. You wouldn't go back and change anything. Well, some people would. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like we all intimidate ourselves. That, right. that Nelson Mandela inaugural speech, which he apparently didn't even write, I don't know, or didn't even deliver, I don't even know. No, it wasn't delivered, he did, but oh. it is our own light that frightens us most. Yes. You know? And yeah. I'm scared to hell of myself sometimes. Like, and I'm annoyed when I don't face the fear of what I'm capable of. Mm. You know? I'd probably be a little further ahead. I know I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right now. You, you, we are exactly where we're meant to be right now. But I can't help but wonder if I had a bit more tenacity and I had a bit more uh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know the words that have escaped me. But geez, I feel like I could have grabbed things by the balls a few more times. And I was, I was scared of what I could achieve, obviously. I didn't push myself further when I, when I could have. I don't know. It's, it's fear. Fear yeah. is crippling. Fear is absolutely crippling and, and greed. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny how you rise up the movies. Like, you obviously do get these points where, yeah, I feel like there's only two types of film these days. You've got these films who are artsy, independent, make it for the sake of it, and then you've got, like, these money makers. Like, I've seen, like, in a row, I've seen these big blockbuster films mm. coming back really disappointed. Yeah, I've had the same experience recently. Uh, like, uh, one film I was really disappointed was, um, so la last night, in fact, I watched uh, The Great Wall. Of China, oh, the I haven't war, seen that. War time with Matt Damon and yep. um, many other actors. But it's a really interesting film because, you know, me with my hodgepodge intelligence and memory, I remember I watched this uh, YouTube news video, I think Vox, I think that's the... <laughs> Vox. Uh, Vox. Uh, and they're talking about how Great Wall was like an American film, especially made with for China and for, for Chinese audience. Because, you know, they employed local actors to star in yeah. the film. Obviously, they speak uh, Mandarin, Cantonese. Um, Mandarin, Mandarin I think. I think is the, the main one, and then Cantonese one. is the second one, I think. But it's just interesting and in how China, like the government, has got like a very controlled system. So they, because they only let it, they only introduce, you know, only a handful of foreign films, like I think eight big yeah, blocks, right. so only eight at a time. Yeah. So I thought they'd go the opposite way, the, the, the American film studios, I thought, okay, we won't be the foreign import, uh, the import, we'll be an export, we'll make the film in China. And they got a, a, fa a famous Chinese director to direct the film. Yeah. Um, obviously American writers. But anyway, but it's a really good film. Great Wall was actually, you know, quite, you know, it, it had the big action sequence and special effects. It had a simple story of, you know, greed. And it had, so it had like a nice, you know, a nice thing and the characters were okay. Some were like... They serve no purpose to the story. I don't know yeah. why this is becoming a film review. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching a lot of film reviews online lately. Yeah. But the film I was really disappointed was um, Pirates of the Caribbean. The uh, latest one. I haven't seen it yet. I think it's, they've made too many. Like, I'd, no, that's wrong to say. Oh. I don't want to see it and be disappointed. I feel like if I am to go and see that, I don't want to wish I haven't seen it, but I'll watch a, I'll watch a film that I'm not enjoying right to the end. With the hopes that it can turn me around. Um, and I don't think... These people that walk out of cinemas when they don't like something, it's okay to do that. It's okay to stand up and walk out. But the thing is, how do you know that that great movie magic moment isn't that next second after you leave? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like any moment in life, anything you quit, how do you know that that, that, that moment that you've been waiting for is not the next moment? Yeah. So I'll watch it to the end. I'll watch it to the very end. Even if I'm so tired, I will keep my eyes open and finish it. Um, Jordan might tell you different. Jordan's my boyfriend. <laughs> um, because sometimes if we watch a film at home, um, I'll fall asleep with my head on his knee or something. But that's usually because I've worked a 12-hour day, to 12 to 15-hour day, and I'm trying to fit in some quality time. And it's a film that I know I can watch again. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'll just you know, trouble off to sleep uh, in, in the comfort of my own home. But, you know, there are those moments, even if it's a bad film, I will finish it. And what is a bad film? A bad, a bad film is a couple of things. Something that's poorly made, mm. something that is offensive, something... But who is it offensive to? And who said is... What are the standards? Like, it could, it's all subjective. Mm, yeah, And absolutely. it's different for everybody. So somebody will walk into Pirates of the Caribbean and go, oh my God, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Mm. And yourself, not that impressed. You could take it or leave it. Possibly rather leave it. I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. I think I might wait for a while. I was going to go see it at the drive-ins. 
That's where I saw it. Down a galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Don't one. see it there. That's I, where I watched it. I go, um, I go to the drive-ins a lot. Yeah, it's, it's great. A great. It's a great place to go. Just and bring back a bit of nostalgia as well. The old school. I love galaxy drive-ins. Um, yeah. We've been there it's the only one left. <laughs> yeah. Um, we watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 there. Yeah. Oh, I think... Did I? Oh, no, I watched that at the cinema. Yeah. Oh. Love that cinema magic. I love it. That mm. feel. You get excited. You go and sit there. You, you put your comfy jeans on or you if you go to the drive-ins you might wear your Ugg boots whatever a lot of people wear their pajamas yeah and you can get into a comfy position and just watch a brand new film in your own personal way mm. I take wine <laughs> <laughs> and, and crackers and dips and, yeah. yeah it's good I, I love it well a good film that you should see if you haven't seen like this, this was a, talking about um, an independent well independent-ish um, Viceroy's House I took my dad to watch that film. Yeah. Viceroy's House. And basically, Viceroy's House is basically about... And that's why dad was a bit, you know, because he loves action and yeah. what have you. He's opposite to me. He's not a big fan of drama, but he loves history. Yes, right. Well, World War Two. That's like his... He loves everything and he's watched all these... Um, World War Two documentaries about, you know, Hitler and Hitler's doctor. Oh, not so... Since we're talking about Hitler. Yeah, um, good segue. But, but he loves World War II. He's just really obsessed with the conflict, especially in the European theatre. Mm. But Viceroy's House was about the uh, Indian, the British um, handing back India uh, to the Indians and the formation of Pakistan. So it's like literally the last few months of British rule in India and they were transitioning the, 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 well, the, the government to, to Indian to make them head of state and mm. powerful and what have you. And it's just a really beautiful film. Like the director, the reason why this film was even more special to me was because the director made this film because it was a woman first off. Oh. Um, and she was Indian, of Indian descent. She was British, but of Indian okay, descent. Yeah. And she's, and it's quite a big, they must have, it must have been like a $100 million movie. But it didn't have massive action sequences and giant tentacled monsters. Mm. It was history. And in the film it says like like after credits it says the filmmaker the director she, I forgot her name sorry her grandparents was affected by this particular issue because as you find out in the film and what you know happened in history there was massive a massive refugee crisis displacement wow. because of the creation of Pakistan obviously it was a you know Muslim state and then they had this transition of all the Hindus living Pakistan to go to India and all the Muslims from India to go to Pakistan and you know the, I think two million deaths was caused because of all this because of the you know the violence and the the you know uh, there were cases of you know extremism yeah right you know? and do you believe it's an accurate um, representation? Accurate. Some or well, do, could you see that it's a um, well? Some opinion. stuff was made. I think it was very accurate yeah. because the director. I was watching a special feature like on YouTube. And she says it's interesting because I am British. You know, her parents were born and she was born, and you know, she sounds British. She's British, so I could see, and it's I could see from the British point of view. And he, and the reason why it's called Viceroy's House is because the film is takes place in Viceroy's house of the last. Um, Vice Royal uh, Lord Mountbatten. Mount <laughs> nice. Mountbatten. <laughs> Mountbatten. Mountbatten. Who was the last uh, viceroy who gave you know India back, and he was working for the British government. Um, yeah, but she was saying I could come back because as a British, I could follow the viceroy's perspective, you know, from yeah. the British perspective, but also from the Indians' perspective, I can also be because I am Indian. That's my heritage. Yeah. 
and my family was personally affected. So I think it's very well balanced. The British, there's like there's these heroes of the British, like the Viceroy. Um, he he really wanted to do a proper job, but spoiler alert, you know, at the end of the film, he was getting stitched up practically. It was all planned oh, out. He was being used as he a pawn. He was being used. Yeah, right. Puppets, puppetry. Puppets, puppetry. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Got a few hours to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, speaking about puppetry, last year they did um, what's great about the VPA course is, and I'm quite stupid, I should have studied the puppetry unit. I'm kicking myself. Well, that's right, you didn't do I it. I didn't, I did stage combat with the brilliant. But Andy was that Rachel. equally as rewarding, did you find? It was pretty rewarding, but. Yeah. You know, do you think um, you might have got more out of the other course? Yeah. Uh, the class? Well, yeah, you know yeah, what, the grass yeah. is always greener, right? Yeah. So if you had it done the other one, you probably would have done, wanted to do. Oh, I wish I did stage combat. Well, I'd yeah. There's no reason you can't do puppetry still. No. So you haven't really missed out. You just didn't do it then. Yeah, I should have done it then. It would have been nice to do it with the class and perform It would have been, it, you know, with the group, with your friends, with your colleagues yeah. and peers that you, can, you love and trust. Yeah. Because it was a performance unit, whereas you didn't do a performance in stage combat, no. did you? Yeah. Oh, we did do it, but no. We did do a, a stage performance at the Spare Puppets. Spare parts. Spare, sorry. Spare parts puppetry theatre yeah. in Fremantle. But you were the, the highlight of the show. Oh, I, I see didn't realise that until I read the article, actually. It was very nice feedback. It was, it was, it was really wonderful, your piece, because from memory, it was your mother and the main character, your puppet, was your son. Is that right? I, I, did, I chose not to disclose whether it was oh, that's a right, boy sorry, or a sorry, girl, no, but yes, it yes, was... Yes. It was Designed to be the character of Little Red Riding Hood, but who who says it has to be a boy or a girl? You know, I just made it non. It, there was no gender. Yes, sorry. My puppet had no gender, which makes the piece so interesting because we can attach and make so much meaning yeah. from it. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't have that. She didn't. He, she. Well, I'm just saying she yeah, didn't sorry, have because Little Riding Hood. Um, the puppet didn't have a costume or anything. She was only known as Red. I'm gonna call her a girl because yeah. he or she's harder. Um, and I'm just going with the, the fairy tale story. Yeah. Um, there was no costume, so you would assume. You you don't assume. Yeah. You just go by what you know, what you're con- being conditioned to read from that situation. Yeah, from that character. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed doing it. It's quite nerve wracking being out there by yourself with such a. The piece is quite vulnerable. Yeah. It was quite a vulnerable piece, and I had to be vulnerable for the puppet. As the puppet. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's hard to describe. So the puppet was the one who was vulnerable, but really I had to be the vulnerable one because I was operating the puppet. Because it was an interesting relationship because it was a wonderful work and that's why I love um, spare puppets. No, spare parts puppetry theatre. Because I I found, you know, some of the work, you know, really questions the puppeteer and the puppet, you know? Mm. And with your special piece, because, you know, I'm... I'm class, um, classically. I'm, I'm brain. I'm classically brainwashed because you know I think of you know um, to use a commercial uh, reference. You know the Muppets. Yeah. You don't. You don't get to see the puppeteer. You don't. You. you yeah. You, you. You. You marry the voice and the physical puppet. The character. You only yeah. see the character, but you don't. You know. You, you, you know. You don't get to see who's operating it. And yeah. Yeah. It's it's really tricky, and um, we got to learn a lot about how to transfer the focus onto the puppet and how to give the puppet the attention so mm. that the audience watches the puppet. It was a really simple piece. I don't know, it was it was a cool it was a cool experience. You know what I really wish we did? 
because I remember talking to Frida, I think last year. Yeah, last yes. year. Yeah. In the middle, I think last exactly one year from today. <laughs> me and Frida were talking about it didn't happen. Obviously, we were gonna um, somehow we we're gonna get the Enright Studio. And we're going to film for everyone a nice camera. We're going to film everyone's, you know, like a highlight reel oh. of everyone's work from the last three years. How cool. That would have been brilliant. You know, it's a bit of a showreel and a bit of, you know, promotional material. And I could easily see your, that would be one for, for me, I'd love to see you to film, to record that. Yeah, I wonder if anyone did have that on film. There's, not, there's a lot of pictures. Yeah. Google it, people. I see red. <laughs> Now, this is my last one. Yes. My last key question. Okay. Oh, quick. And I'm looking at my stopwatch. Sorry. And it basically says John Waters. Yes. How do you know John Waters? So we did a film together. Um, ah. Probably about oh, six-ish years ago. Maybe maybe more. That's recent. Yeah. It's, look, the film actually never got finished. Um, it's all there. Yeah, it's all filmed but not edited and... I think the director kind of lost a bit of steam, lost a bit of passion for the project. Um, I personally think it's some of my best work and I think that's because of John because it's incredible what you're capable of when you're alongside somebody who is experienced. Yeah. And his generosity as an actor helped me to be more myself, um, to offer more myself. So it really it just goes to show that the other person in the scene is more important than you are. He gave all his focus to me as an actor and I gave all mine to him and that's what made it a really compelling performance. So I played a, a, a crackle <laughs> and he was a high-flying businessman. And so we, well, this, one of the scenes we were in, uh, the first scene where we see each other is in rehab and like in the waiting room at a rehab facility. And then um, there's another scene where you see us like snorting lines off a toilet, public toilet seat. What? It's, yeah, it's this pretty is an interesting film. Yeah, it's pretty oh. cool. It's pretty cool. And I'm still trying to get some rushes from it so I can use it for a showreel, but we'll see. Yeah. It's taking some time. But anyway, um since then we we remained really good friends. He recommended me and he never does this. He recommended me to some people over in Sydney, so I I headed oh, over there. Okay. I was um, in conversation with Christine King Casting Agency and I actually auditioned for a film role that I got down to the last two people for. It was a um, feature film. It was going to be filming Rio de Janeiro over in Britain and in Victoria. Yeah, that was just one of the disheartening moments where you're kind of like, do I, do I quit here? Do I keep going? So I'm still going despite the disappointment. But um, yeah, John's really been such a great mentor for me as well as a friend people wonder how a nearly 70 year old man and a 32 year old woman are such good friends but we really just are on the same frequency we are the same kind of artist and we want the same from our careers and he's also a musician and I've got a musical Mm. background as well so that's just another thing in common too so we're in contact on a regular basis still so I'll get a message from if he's over in Victoria or in Sydney, just going, hey, g'day, kiddo, hope everything's going well, letting me know what he's up to and asking me what I'm doing, which really keeps That's me cool. yeah. which really keeps me motivated because if I don't have something cool to tell him, I feel crap. So I have to keep making sure I'm making progress so that I have something cool to say. So that's a cool little bit of inspiration. But he came to Tilt, actually. I know. He came and watched, um, <laughs> he came and watched my show, which was really supportive. And I thought it was so cool because I've been to a couple of his shows. Yeah. And um, I said to him, because he said he was in town, and I said, perfect timing. You want to come see the show? He said, 
I wouldn't I won't I wouldn't miss it so I got him a ticket and he came along and my mum and dad were just like doting over him like he was this big <laughs> this gigantic thing I'm like he's a human being just let him enjoy his night stop all the questions <laughs> see because I, I heard that because I, I just want to tell you now for, for yeah. the sake of it because who told me was it the same night that also Daniel Kerr was oh yeah Daniel Kerr was in the audience Daniel Kerr came no the hit uh, maybe yeah, it was the it same was, night. Yeah, uh, like, oh, maybe maybe because I was talking yeah. to Dow. No, because Dowie because he said because um, he because Adam McDowell plug him uh, a fellow colleague because this is again to go back to our, our final independent project till in the audience was Daniel Kerr, yeah. John Waters and um, and I remember Dowie says coming back he'd done his bit and he said um oh Ryan Daniel Kerr what and the reason why because Will Omani. Because because um, Dowie's uh, piece is it's quite audience interactive, and he was chatting away with Will, acting with um, Will Armani, and and Will said something very funny about I forgot what the thing was, but no, and then I think who was it that told me John Waters? I think it was like Amy or Laura. Yeah. And I was like, because I remember I did perform in the, your program yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. So I, two little things, and that made my dad's like oh, I got to it's, perform. Yeah, it's John really Waters. cool that. People who are more, not, I don't want to say experience, I want to say people who are more cemented in the industry, mm. who have been there for so many years, it's really nice to be able to perform for them because, I don't know, it kind of says, it kind of makes you feel like the work you're putting up is something special. But what we should realise is it doesn't really, like everybody deserves that performance. Yeah. Everybody who comes to see your work deserves that same sort of effort and that same sort of commitment from you as a performer whether they're the queen or whether they scrub your toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's kind of, it's an eye-opener. You get pretty excited about it, but then at the same time you've got to pull yourself into check yeah. and go, they're, not, they're a human being, you know, and they've come to see what you've had to offer. They've come to be entertained by you and taken transported into another world by you, which your piece was incredible. Oh, your pieces, your interludes. My, my, my were, interludes. Were my favourite part of Tilt. <laughs> My, your, the way you were able to surprise yourself on stage um, and, and whether that was happening or not, that I believed that you were surprising yourself out there on stage. Oh, you're very kind. Oh, it's good. I love to watch you perform. It's so engaging. I get transported. I do. And that's what real, real performance is. It takes you somewhere else. That the TV can't take you. That, and I know I say that TV can't take you. Mm-hmm. Film. I want my work in film to take people places to make them look at their own lives, to make them question what they're doing. So obviously the projects I, I choose to work in have to align with that goal. Mm. It's not about making money. It's about helping people to see what's already there in their lives, inspiring people to go, oh, this this could lead to a positive change for me or a new direction or lending a hand to somebody who needs it or just answering those questions that people didn't realise they had, mm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jenna, I just looked at my watch and we are running, we ran out of time basically. But before we go, as per tradition of the Chronicles, I've got the signing off question to ask you. Mm. So, Jenna. Yes, Ryan. In the year 2027, when we meet again, hopefully, yes. Touchwood, whether it be Perth, Melbourne, Canada, Ontario, Montreal, Hollywood, um, <laughs> what would you like to plug? I'd like to plug um, a film that I've written and produced myself, which I'll hopefully be 
have a little cameo in. It won't be necessarily a film that I'm in, but I think by then I would like to plug um, a film that I've, uh, it might be the one I'm working on right now. It might be a 10 year project. And if I can share that with people, that is the plug that I'm plugging, <laughs> excuse yeah. me. I'll be really glad. So yeah, really good things do take time. Yes. So maybe this thing that I'm working on right now will be something that I plug. Uh, a film that I produce and write myself. I really love writing. I'd like to be in it a little bit, yeah. just as a character, kind of like Woody Allen does or <laughs> Stan Lee in all the superhero movies, yeah. the Marvel movies, um, just to just to be a part of it, yeah, um, visually and also behind the scenes. And I know it sounds really control freaky, but I'd like to. That's what I'd like to plug in twenty twenty seven, and it'd be, I'd love to have. I'd love, if I have children by then, for my children to feature in that film too. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, to share a little bit of that with my family as well. Oh, that'd be great. Hmm. Well, Jenna, thank you very much for being on the uh, Chronicles. Thank you.